me Or every week you can use me Finicky niggas are stuck in their garages I was still properly, properly honest I wasn't fucking your shorty, no I walked the road all along, yeah No one can battle me, beat me a god Repelling your bitches to change in their eyes I'm rolling my dope in your body to glow You need some clothes on the Hennessy Closing the way that I'm shaking, I'm floating and vomit No paper rip, why the fuck are you talking? You wanna be me, why the fuck are you talking? I'm rapping, I'm trapping out late in the night Prostatic and niggas, my nigga, you lies so somebody better be coughing them knives Cause my money got to fix shit for the future I need like ten of those inside my fusions Body decaying, hallucinating Awake for the seven days, swallowed in sins I might just body you, hop in the bins I got the drugs off and that's all your friends Not saying it probably I'm panicking, cold Fighting me, fighting, got fuck in the ocean I in this cyber rip on my psychosis Diving and I've been like hoping you notice Keys in the door but the body ain't present Breaking the head just to fill in the dirt Similarly plants on my similar earth Pissing on bodies and moving in Subarus Yo, she want me still, I won't cover in I have my throat, there's enough of this You not some jeans, I'm not cutting shit Watch how my gun get to cussing, bitch She want me still, I won't Cool, I was trying to escape. One day I whip out in a new race. Niggas be mad, get a smile on my face. It's the first of the month, you can go check the date. Hey, it's the first of the month, you can go check the date.
Yeah. 
in the movie with the backpack. I'm still busting off a perky fucking act. This shit. Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. Cool, cool. One second. I'm just pulling this volume down. It's still. Hi. Welcome to the crowd, episode 37. Hello. What's up? Whoa, getting old, that crowd's getting Hello. old, man. Hmm? <laughs> Collisions. Um, oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Um, yeah, so tonight we are doing our episode about freaking, uh, phone hacking, and just the general sort of topic. Um, definitely a topic that we've wanted to do for a long time, but I think the issue has mainly been that it's hard to figure out what to say and do that won't put us in legal jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, I want to I wanna call MLAC right now. I'm busy out of fucking switch. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fucking heating coil right now. But we can't do that. Yeah, I mean, a majority of the things that we would want to do and say are likely things that we should probably not do or say, but we can definitely cover a lot of the con the concepts of certain things and discuss the importance of them because I think that one of the things that I've I've found in in you know older people who are into this stuff are even if they're not necessarily hackers per se have all played with telephones at some point they've all beige boxed to get you know. A dial-up connection from their neighbor or whatever um but yeah pretty much everybody's done a significant amount of phone hacking and, and i feel like it's because prior to having the internet as ubiquitous as it is we all had to do something with the phone to communicate with the wider world um so yeah it'll be a very interesting talk we'll be talking about it a little bit more after the new segment um but yeah we invite anybody who wants to come uh and chat about this stuff definitely come in and hang out because i know there's a lot of you out there um and there's a lot of people who we've spoken with who want to do specific types of talks about things that they might have done in the past or um things that they might know now that they didn't know before and we want to talk about that too so yeah anybody who wants to come up on and talk in the future or come join um you can jump into our discord uh or elite.club um and you can Campaign. So yeah, I'm gonna throw the show notes in here. Oh yeah, I already did that. Where you did that? Yes. 
Um, and yes. Cool, cool. Um, so yeah, those are our show notes. Um, so yeah, how's everybody doing today? Pretty good. How's uh, so one thing you were mentioning uh, is you said a lot of us had uh, at the top of this uh, have experienced the awesomeness that is freaking so i think it's like an unexplored <laughs> world for a lot of people and uh I yeah think i mean really have a fun time listening i can see yeah. it myself too i might be doxing myself a little but i'm pretty pretty new and i consider myself a hardware person but i've never played with freaking so it's really interesting to kind of look back and see where all the hardware stuff came from yes yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's probably the first thing that I did with hardware had to do with phone stuff. And a lot of the stuff that I learned was because I wanted to learn more about the phone and the phone system and just communication in general, telecommunication. So, did you ever call any of the talking lines, like the Boston Raven or anything? Wait, what? Um, <laughs> well, um, we can discuss that later. Um, but yes, I was <laughs> used to one party lines. Um, and we can right. talk about all that, how that worked the uh reasons why you shouldn't do that now um in certain cases for certain ones uh and yeah so um but yeah um does anybody have anything else that they want to share before we start getting into the news let's do it where's the show notes though uh, i threw them in the show notes channel they're in the podcast thing um i'll throw them in voices voice as well oh thank you yeah we have a show notes channel now dedicated to show notes yeah so, yeah so many channels. Yeah, we're trying, we're trying to fix that last night, actually. Um, so yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, let's, let's jump right into it. Um, the first thing here is the event stream dependency attack that happened, uh, was discovered recently, uh, yesterday, it looks like. Um, so yeah, does anybody have anything to say about this one? This is a pretty interesting supply chain attack. Um, Not interesting, it's more like a, a face palm. That's so great. I mean, so the guy said, uh, uh, the one developer dude said, oh, I don't know. Some guy emailed me and uh, I gave it to him. I mm -hmm. have nothing to do with it. I Like, I'm not trying to blow up his spot or anything, but I can't be the only person to think, uh, yeah, he's just lying. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I mean... mean you think, you think that he's lying? He was involved in the actual uh, backdooring of this package. Yeah, he like he left like everything's tied to him still. And if he didn't, if he's not involved, God, that's dumb. Like, really, dude, <laughs> what <are> you doing? <laughs> you can't like yeah. you turn it over, but leave it attached to your email and your alias, and everything is still mm -hmm. you. Yeah. But you're just gonna have somebody else do it. Like that's a recipe for literally disaster, which is actually what happened. Yeah. No, I mean, people try to backdoor these kind of things all the time. We get stupid pull requests sometimes for our own site on GitHub, and yeah, I mean, it it happens. But it just seems like I don't know. This person was had said earlier too that they they didn't even want to maintain this anymore. So I feel like it could have also been a 
a matter of laziness and, and not checking. And the fact that there's people who look for this kind of thing, look for unmaintained or, or poorly maintained stuff, and they want to, you know, use that for their own gain. Um, yeah. That's what happens with, with browser extensions as well. Um, people find old browser extensions that aren't really maintained, but they have a okay user base, and then you know they'll figure out who to talk to, what they have to do, and try to backdoor it somewhere upstream. Um, to that. I think that whole tactic in itself, uh, just reaching out to developers that are maybe bored or overtaxed, I think that's a brilliant move. I think that's a yeah. solid move. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely think so. I, I, it's definitely a great attack vector to try to, to go through. Um, but it also, if anybody does any code, you know, um, like review, or if you are somebody who are reviewing your dependencies for anything at your job, like say you use the event stream um, dependency, then you're going to obviously notice that at some point. Um, so yeah, it's just a definitely a really really interesting thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Has anybody seen any big projects that actually use this besides that crypto um, wallet one? Like the first thing I did when I saw this was start searching through all a bunch of projects for event stream node modules. I know every time I ever mess with crypto, I was not paying attention. I was just like reading some guide, downloading libraries, and just <laughs> trying to make sense of it all, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's... It's tough to track this stuff down. It's just I only launched like three ICOs, just saying. Hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, if you are somebody who uses Node.js or if you use Node.js in production at your company, definitely check for these dependencies. You can look in the node modules directory of whatever application it is. Even if you're not a developer, you could still see that the event stream um, dependency would be loaded somewhere. So just do a do a little fancy grep and find out either way. Alrighty, so the next story that we have here is the UP USPS site exposed data on 60 million users. This is um, pretty funny. It's an authentication um, weakness, I guess, or bug in um, this API that, that they have for tracking purposes for packages. Um, and it's supposed to be for businesses and advertisers and bulk mail people to um, be able to get real-time data about the packages and who's sending what. Um, but apparently anybody who was logged in to USPS would be able to also use this API. So it wasn't limited to just like the, the business customers or people who signed up for it, it was just anybody. And they also, uh, so they allowed um, like wildcard search parameters, meaning that you could grab everything. And there was details like uh, emails, username, user ID, Account number, street address, phone, other authorized users, um, data about them in the mailing campaigns, and a bunch more stuff. Anybody uh, hear about this or have any thoughts? I heard I a lot. I heard a lot of things about this, but I didn't really see any specifics online. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah, this is a uh, pretty pretty bad authentication 
error in in their API. Because I mean, mo most of the time when you're designing APIs like this, you're gonna have some sort of token or something that is going to verify that the person who is making the request is actually the person who's supposed to be. Right, 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 right. So you think that it's a problem with the access controllers and not the API has access to name, address, anything with a fucking asterisk. That's not the problem. It's just the people who are able to use it, whether you're a developer or an advertiser or Joe Schmo. Well, no, no, no. So you're not supposed to be able to use it if you're not somebody who's a commercial customer who would use sure. this. Sure, all right. But is the API supposed to be like accessing wildcard information? You don't think that's a that's the uh, that's another issue entirely. Um, I mean, because that's that's the that's a sub issue that would have been mitigated had there been access controls. That already is a, a shitty flaw in the thing. You shouldn't be able to just access everything from everybody. But the primary thing, which is actually leveraged, which led to that other the wildcard stuff, is the fact that there was no authentication um, on the requests. So. Yeah, I just... <laughs> well, that an insider threat can make those requests, though, is a fucking problem. I think that's yeah. a serious problem. Yeah, yeah. I agree, John. Because, like, okay, yeah, it's it's a public story now because it was un unauthenticated, but literally, it just, just that's one step, one easy step <laughs> to bypass, yeah. uh, to get all that just again. You know what I mean? But... So this is the UPS story we're talking about, USPS story, right? Yep. So with one thing with this was that if you have separate, uh, so you, you want to expose X data to Y people, then like don't use one API endpoint you're exposing to everyone. If you have this sensitive data that must be exposed to third party for whatever reason, like make another API, don't ACL off. Like, because if you fuck up the ACL, like, if you have a separate API endpoint that's firewalled and mutual TLS and all that kind of shit, then you don't accidentally fuck up a, like an ACL. And yeah. if, if you already have the code to do one, then why don't you, like, you should be able to take that code and redeploy it, you know, on, on another endpoint. Or with even if you're old school and you're not doing any sort of DevOps, you're just like straight up copying and pasting code on a different server. And giving it a different, yeah. IP, you know, chain on it gets a different IP. Like that, that's a much better way to separate sensitive and non-sensitive data than trying to like serve it all out of one thing. All right, honest yeah. question here: Like, would it make sense to use more than one database? Like, could you separate it that way, or is that just adding extra unnecessary steps? Potentially not, because of the nature of the data, but in saying that you could definitely use different database users that have different access like different uh privileges to different tables so that you know that it's more you know that the the underprivileged api can't read the the privileged data let alone serve it yeah no i mean i i agree though that the the fact that there's a way for anybody to query everything even if you are authenticated, is still not a good thing, um, because it's if you are using something for a specific campaign, then you should be limited to whatever's in your scope, um, and these obviously weren't. So a combination of that with the authentication issue is just yeah, first disaster. But did we did I miss the uh, the node one or my window manager? When yeah, yeah. <laughs> the node one. Uh, I was, yeah, I was hoping you'd be around for that because you have a lot to say about node. Um. Well, dude, I, 
I looked up like, oh man, I was looking up all kinds of shit about that. But yeah, it was. In, um, did, was it well covered, or can we go back? You know, back, let's go back because we didn't actually talk about the nature of the uh, of the back door at all. Yeah. Like what was going on in the code? So basically, what from what I can tell is uh, the guy who took over the projects, like Control Nine, or Right Control, Right Nine Control, or whatever. Um, he then uh, was actually exfiltrating data out to a bunch of OVH boxes and and stuff like that specifically private keys um, targeting uh, math libraries that were used for like cryptocurrency type stuff. So the idea was that he would, um, that this bad actor would inject this code. Um, and the other thing he did was include, so the, the flatten package, uh, the, sorry, flat, was it a flatten stream or something? The other one, the other one uh, as well, that like, that was totally unused. And if you read the code for that, it was like, nothing about it is um malicious so it's totally just vulnerable um he then has this big chunk of encrypted uh aes like uh node code that becomes valid so like if you're ever doing a code audit and you see a big chunk of code just know just that's a bad sign like you should be able to read any open source code that you're given um, but if you if you pull it apart, yeah, the, the idea was that it would actually exfiltrate private keys out to a bunch of servers. And uh, yeah, it was the DNS on the other end was rotating as well. So it was moving it across to different servers, not just one. But um, I had a theory that potentially like that that bad actor was also part of um, like potentially could, like knowing that the flatten stream as well was also vulnerable i don't know it could could be related to having that prior knowledge in order to leverage yeah no it's it's interesting it's show. <laughs> yeah and i think the other thing that's um really interesting there is that the guy dominic uh tar actually says in there that um he says in there that he gets nothing out of maintaining this project. Someone emailed him to maintain it. And he was like, yeah, whatever. And then that was the bad actor. Like that, that was how you hijack it. He also mentions he no longer has access to push new code to the to NPM. Um, and he also mentions something. It's an interesting node thing that uh, is people using the cached, like people who have a cached copy who have already done an NPM install and have it in their node modules directory of the same version number are not affected, um, which is also the point of Yarn, which is a node package manager that was really popular up in like prior to node six. I think people, I guess people are still using it. Um, sorry, NPM six, but what it allowed was, um, so Yarn does, it, it spouts security and tells you it's a secure package manager because it checks the checksum of the package that's being installed which is the whole, like the same as the point of the cached version, like because of the package.lock, you can, you know, you've got the same version because the checksum matches from the last time it was checked. With Yarn, like you'll still get the vulnerable code. It'll just tell you that the checksum of the vulnerable code is correct. Or the, exp the you know, the, the code that is uh, containing the malicious payload is, you know, yes, it's the correct malicious. Yeah. No, I mean, that's kind of like, I was wondering like how any other sort of things like um, I'm trying to remember all the different node tools 
but how any of them would, would actually react to this kind of thing. Like, are they able to um, check whether or not this is yeah. like, so there, is there... my understanding is that, um, okay, so NPM, so the package manager NPM, there used to be a separate thing called um, NPM audit. Uh, sorry, not NPM audit. Before it was called NPM audit, it was called uh, something else. Um, uh, NSP, the node security project. And you could run NSP and it will mm -hmm. check your dependencies on the dependency tree against known vulnerabilities. Okay. It's now built into NPM. So you can run NPM audit and it will tell you if you're running a known vulnerable version. Um, another yeah. alternative is that's um, like third party maintained is like SNYK, uh, S-N-Y-K, which is a oh, yeah, yeah. I think. Again, that'll give you like dependencies. So if you like, if you're running npm audit as part of your uh, CI/CD and it fails, or even if you're running it manually or like on Git, Git hooks or whatever, you'll find that um, by now it, it will be telling you that this is. Fortunately for me, stuff uh, I look at, I haven't seen it pop up. I just assume that it's going to be in that database, considering it was on like hacking news. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just wondering if there was like a, a any sort of package managers like that that would be able to detect something weird like that or out of the ordinary. I feel like it's probably, I don't know, like if you backdoor something and just put in post to like post private keys to my server, like yeah. that's not something that is, I guess, well, this it's not is, like an even see like DNS traffic. I mean, it would. I feel like it would just be caught as soon as it, as soon as it gets deployed by somebody. Well, here's the yeah. thing. So, like, you got to think. You, with we're all thinking like, oh, you you deploying it on a server, you're doing something. That's not really the case with a lot of these like small node apps that are deployed, like Heroku app and things yeah. like that, are really popular. Where somebody will just write some code super quick. They're, they're not looking at their DNS coming out of their own machine, and then they're pushing it to a third party service. And then that third party service, like Heroku, might go like, oh, it's doing this. It's like hitting this like known fucking domain. Maybe we'll notify. Um, and I think yeah. GitHub, when you push to GitHub, GitHub should notify you now in your weekly report or whatever as well. So, okay, but cool. Yeah, there's no way to like eyes are the best thing, right? Like, yeah, human eyes find this. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to. I feel like unless you're doing some pretty advanced um, sort of like monitoring, you would normally not be able to tr to track them like that. Unless you're like no. actually looking, like, holy shit, <laughs> that was loud. Um, Unless you're actively tracking like logs and um, network traffic, which some people yeah. are, but if you're a small shop, you might not be. So, another good thing to do as well is to um, if you if you have a node service like a microservice or so something running on the back end, just don't give it mm -hmm. internet access. Like use internal npm mirrors and stuff like that. If it if it doesn't yeah. have internet access, it's never going to hit that URL. Therefore, like you're pretty safe. Yeah, I mean you're not safe, but you're safer in this case. Mm-hmm. Interesting though. That's cool. Um, all right, let's go on to the next story here, um, which is China blacklists millions of people from booking flights um, because of the social credit system. Now, we've been watching this for a bit. We've reported on a couple different things about um, the Chinese social credit system, but it's getting, it's getting more, uh, I guess, it's becoming something that's actually like enforced. Um, so I guess that there's a, the plan for them is to make it difficult to move for people that they deem untrustworthy. And so there's a bunch of, of trustworthiness scores that can bring your trustworthiness up or down. Um, and they, 
they blacklist all these people with these low credibility scores and they also shame people publicly for having low scores um and so there's that website that we saw that was the i'm sure i was trying to find it before but i don't know where it is um it's a chinese website that just has a ticker of the latest transgressions and people so it's like a it's like a like a Bitcoin exchange, the little graphs, not that's a little graph, but it's saying the latest updates on all that stuff for every time someone does something wrong. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, this is fantastic to me, actually, by the way. Like, do you want to getting officials getting to the G20 because they're all shady as fuck? Yeah. So, do you watch, hold on, hold on, do you watch anime any? So there, there's this anime out called Psycho Pass. Never um, heard of it. So it's fantastic. So when you know, good anime, it's a great anime. So what happens is you have a pass, uh, like, or you have this uh, device on your body, and the cloudier it is, the more of a psychopath you are. So people are judged. Oh, you have a, it's somewhat cloudy. It's not crystal clear. I'm not going to sell to you. And then, uh, and then you got to go like to the black markets. And of course, the more you get shamed, of course, the cloudier it gets because you know your psyche keeps changing, right? So this is almost very reminiscent of that because the, there at one point there was like there was just a, uh, they were showing a news scene and there was tickers going on the bottom where people were like downvoting other people like oh that person's not very good so they were downvoting that person and well what they didn't realize is uh, as as they downvote these people socially it just makes it worse so this is kind of really interesting if you take that that idea in the course like where you're using social media or any other form of discourse to rate someone. Those, um, yeah. So we've I mean, seen. The, sorry, I was just gonna say. I mean, the obvious uh, parallel here is the Black Mirror episode. I mean, that's that's the really obvious one uh, with the social credits and the uh, the system um, that quite quite clearly in the episode uh, doesn't work out so great. I won't go into too much detail in case people haven't seen the episodes but by now come on it's it's black mirror it's been out forever watch it with the with the black mirror thing as well though there's also an episode of orville where uh which is like seth mcfarlane's and uh when you go that's what uh, it was um, yeah yeah and when you get past a certain amount of downvotes they don't serve you but when you get past a certain amount of downvotes they will bottom line um anyway i just got a knock on the door so i'll be i'll be well it's immediately the chinese government um so yeah um no it's definitely pretty scary because they're they're trying to do something that makes it specifically hard for people to get around and to have mobility not just social mobility but actual physical mobility where they don't want people to book high-speed trains or own a car or take a a plane or have their kids do that if yeah. they violate the social credit system so it's oh. it's pretty fucked i mean oh, I, I, it's all on the list of, um, of that earn you upvotes in china the thing that earns you credits in the list they include giving blood and that just seems really bizarre to me like uh well <laughs> who wants all this blood like is it is it like jeff bezos peter Thiel? they're into they're in the blood, right? My God. <laughs> I mean, it's not for like Peter Thiel and Jeff Bezos <laughs> and blood. You'll see that they're into like blood transfusions and stuff. So maybe China is like literally harvesting the blood of their people now and then monetizing. Who wants bad people's blood? Uh, the blood transfusion shit's been debunked anyway. 
So anybody who's still doing that is a fucking idiot. Yeah. It just really stands out to me. Like, no smoking, that's bad. Uh, spreading fake news, that's bad. Playing too many computer games, that's bad. What's good? Give blood. It just really stands <laughs> out. So, yeah. What's this site? What's the site called? The site that has all the stuff. I was looking for it. We, we shared it before. It's in one of our show notes, but I, I still have to, like, look through all of them. To see what but we'll find we it. Shared it before. They were shown yeah. this week where some guy's face is on the side of the bus, and it had a false positive, and then flagged him for jaywalking when he wasn't. It's like an no, it, it was a girl. That was a girl. Okay, but a person got fucking flagged and put on the side of a bus for jaywalking? Jaywalking? No, her ad was a bus face on it. That's insane. Ad got jaywalking. That's insane. Wow. So <laughs> we, yeah, I feel like it's uh, it's ripe for fucking with their system. I think it would be awesome to like give a whole bunch of karma points or whatever they're called to the uh, to the people that are at the bottom end and just start like. Pushing Did them. you see that? Bla- this, re- this is eerily reminiscent of the bl- f- a fucking specific Black Mirror episode, by yeah, the way. Just, Did you see that one? That, that girl was trying to get around. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. They've been. I've been watching a lot of um, CGNT, I think, or CNGT, China's Fox News channel. Um, and they've been uh, they've been running a lot of stories lately about how cash is stupid and China's superior because nobody uses cash; they use this electronic money um and it worries me that they're tying them they're monetizing social credit directly um where yeah, i mean the, <laughs> your money is actually your value to society is like monetized the best way to directly spendable from your phone the best way to bring down a system like that is to completely fuck it up and make it totally untrustworthy and completely chaos so chaos uh I, I think, like, that chick who drove the truck in the Black Mirror episode, or no fucks given, is another approach. Just not even respect it or acknowledge it as legit. Yeah. yeah. But, I think the issue comes, yeah. though, when, when the institutions that you rely on to do things, like, get a loan, start rejecting you. I mean, like, it's yeah. hard to find sort of, uh, like, other alternative avenues to it. Like, you're like, okay, fuck it. I'll just buy a car from somewhere else. I don't know, like, ride shit. Yeah, that, um... Idiocracy, how the guy doesn't have his barcode and the doctor really freaks out because he doesn't have a tattoo with a barcode on it. Why you and immediately tattoo? reports him to the authorities because like he doesn't have a doesn't have a tattoo. Where's his barcode? <laughs> um, by not participating in the system, like that will make it's self-policing because society in general uh, won't serve you and in fact will get suspicious of you because you're not part of that system. Yeah. yeah, yeah, make it crazy. Um, yeah. The next uh, next uh, thing that we we have on our on our list here is the FBI creating the fake FedEx website. And this is funny that it's a story because I feel like this is just something that always happens. And it's surprising yeah. that it's news. Um, so yeah. So basically, the FBI uh basically just sent tracking pixels to uh somebody who was um doing a bunch of weird uh like fraud involving like shipping companies and so they had um they didn't they just yeah they had like booby trapped files that just had like word files that would open 
opened up with, uh, you know, pinging back to the FBI's uh, headquarters, and they had a fake FedEx website that um, they used to, to basically fish these people into grabbing a bunch of, of info and then and then resolving their home IP. Um, <laughs> I think the best, though, is that it says that the FBI even did a fake access denied. This website does not allow proxy connection page <laughs> in order to get them to connect from their home address. <laughs> That's so funny. That's yeah. brilliant. But I feel like this is just the, this is not even like, to, compared to the capabilities that the FBI has at their disposal, this is probably that's the smallest thing. This is something that like 14 year olds do to each other on like my. Yeah. Not with the whole thing. I mean, like when it comes to uh, getting, getting someone's home IP, like it's not the real, I mean, you don't it doesn't, you don't need the capabilities of what the what the FBI have at their disposal, right? Like you can't. It's yeah. pretty easy, considering the fourteen year olds do it. I mean, that tactic is it might be used in mad skid situations, but if it works and it's really easy and you can do it really quickly, like you know, you have a tracking pics on a web server and act like you know, and you're tailing the access log, and you're making sure that it just gets served to like. Like that particular um, URL is like a like wildcard or whatever, and then yeah. you just match the hash and then like grep the hash in the log, and just that's it. Really make sure it gets sent to the right target, and then that's that's all she wrote. It's it's uh, I don't know, I guess a lot of like it doesn't get used really in pen test engagements and that kind of thing um, because you get given a scope of like what you're allowed to attack, but for the more red teamers, I suppose. Um, if you're tracking like a, um, you want to get the home home IP of like a CEO or something, then this is like a really easy tactic that like, you know, like I said, a 14 year old could do. You could then go ahead and, and track, uh, you know, said target. Yeah. Um, no, definitely the, that meme is real. The FBI wants to know your location with a little pop-up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the next one we have here is interesting. Um, so this is a Tumblr removed uh, is removed from the iOS store, uh, the app store, due to child pornography. Um, now, I don't have an iPhone um, or a Tumblr, but uh, yeah, knowing the site, though, but there's people who post selfies and things like that, especially a lot of body positive things and just general, because they, they don't have as much of a censorship policy as, you know, Facebook or Instagram, but they, yeah, I guess they were just removed because they served child pornography of some sort. Um, well, I don't, know I, I don't know if this is so you're going to be specifically serving like you know adults serving CP to one another, um, more so that it may be related to children, uh, or you know, underage, um, kids or whatever, taking photos of themselves, doing stuff, yeah, and being <laughs> yeah. turned a blind eye to it for the longest time, so. I mean, if you want to find like a twelve-year-old writing slash fic about My Little Pony, you go to Tumblr. That's where it, that's where it's allowed. But by Tumblr Corporation or whoever runs it. Like I've also seen though where people have like there's this thing like a I can't remember what it's called like uh, but it's like one of those form spring type deals where people can anonymously ask you a question and then you can respond. And like I've seen like a profile of a of a kid that it's obviously people from their school or something asking questions like would you suck dick or whatever and then they re respond and it's like whoa That's, like it's just standard tumblr actually 
This is what right, 50% percent is, of Tumblr is, from from my experience. It's always been disgusting is, and creepy. It's pretty much yeah, a more commercialized is, version of 4chan. You're just going to get a little bit of everything. I mean, their initial policy when they first started out was saying, like, take photos of yourself nude. It's cool. Just don't be illegal. Pretty much. Clearly, this is just the same thing. Clearly, this is just a more or less just a reactionary tactic. So a lot of people actually kind of got uh, swept into what the bot was looking for and a lot of uh, legit like artists and stuff like that, not even actually porn artists are actually getting uh, caught up in this. Yeah, the, yeah. the thing is the, the, sweeping, the sweeping thing of removing it from the iOS app store, that's that's pretty significant. That's a lot of people yeah. that won't be able to download it again. I don't know what that means for uh, people who've already downloaded it. It's probably this, like on your phone still, but that's a yeah. huge amount of people who have to, you know, who wanted to use Tumblr and they just can't from their phone anymore. They have to use it from the browser. Who then? Yeah. Tumblr actually, I don't, I don't see how they come back from this at all. Really, I think that's it. Over and done. Yeah. No, not not at yeah. all. All they, it, it's likely temporary. I would say I, they didn't be- comply with some filter thing. They had to implement some filter and they couldn't do it, which is why they got blocked. Yeah, if they show good faith that they're trying to tackle the issue, it's not going to be an issue. It'll be reinstated. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Bad press is this is pretty bad as in terms of bad yeah. press. Yeah. Especially like child pornography doesn't get any worse than that. But we also like talk about uh, kids who don't use computers, they use mobile devices. So there's going to be a whole bunch of people who just don't use Tumblr anymore. Yeah, it's a little too too little too late at this point for Tumblr. I think it's not kids removing- are on other platforms now. Yeah, exactly. But it's not removing it from your phone. Like, yeah. me that has it still has it. It's just no yeah. new people. Uh, it's, a good, it's a good point. Yeah. yeah. No, but it's still it's still a big thing that is interesting to consider just because it's a website that there is an app, you know, it's a website and an app that people use and it just got removed. So something interesting to just keep an eye out for, for other things that might have some so sort of transcription. So not a lot of kids. I think a lot of people that are in that demographic might not know that it's also a website. Oh, you just get Tumblr on your phone. <laughs> yeah. But either way, it's a service that somebody uses to do whatever. It might be their social media. It might be their only way of contacting certain people. Um, so, yeah, it's just an interesting thing to keep an eye out for. But, Honestly, yeah. I, I would guess that somebody made a group effort to to group yeah. report Tumblr. And, mass report Tumblr. And get them taken yeah. down. I think it was actually I mean, a group effort. If you, I yeah. guess it would have to be mothers against uh, insert something here, or the same people who are re- reporting people for being yes. cam girls. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I see how people could use malicious compliance. Yeah. Um, but, alrighty, let's get to the next one before we get too down, too far down that one because it's rant all day. But. Um, Amazon admits that it exposed customer email addresses and doubles down on secrecy. So this one here, I'm not sure what this actually means, but I guess no one does because who knows? Um, so I guess Amazon had leaked some amount of user data, uh, and they just said that they had contacted whoever they had leaked, um, data about, and that was it. And they haven't offered any details, uh, or any idea of what the scope is or anything. So I don't know. Well, I think it's... (laughs) It's hilarious. Like, who? So things like GDPR get mentioned uh, in the article, but that really only 
it's kind of a scare tactic, if you know what I mean. Like, it, it, if they have no way to enforce it, like, oh no, like the whole, um, you know, when Pirate Bay used to put up email, the emails people would like, just not people, different uh, departments would say, I mean, like, oh, you have to take down your website because you've got illegal torrents. And they're like, well, we don't live in America. Um, like in this case, Amazon is sort of like, well, we don't live in Europe, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like they kind of, uh, I mean, in a way, I think it's okay. Like, I think if a disclosure is made specifically to the users and they can prove that each user was contacted, that their data was disclosed, like that, that the breach was disclosed to them in the context relevant to them, that's okay. Like, I don't think they need to go post on fucking have I been owned with their whole, like the database leak or anything, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the circumstances are, but I guess no one really does. Um, but but it's, it's, it's the whole thing with the disclosure, right? So, like, yeah, who wants? Like, nobody really wants to go out there and say, "Hey, everybody, we got, we got fucked," and this is what it looks. Like. Yeah. No. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, I was typing, so I didn't want to uh, spam with. Hacker keyboard, um, hacker typer, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know. Keep an eye out for that one, and anything else comes out of Amazon, um, or doesn't. Um, so yeah, the next one here actually I thought was really cool. Um, not for whoever is using this for fraud, but the German EID authentication um, flaw lets you change your identity on these identity cards. Um, so I guess these German ID cards that have RFID chips that they can use for um, connecting to different services and identifying themselves, basically 2FA. Um, there, uh, there's a, a bug that somebody had found that if you are, so, cause they, they implement this whole, you know, scheme to do, um, you know, they do, they sign the, the data and everything back and forth between the, um, the server. And there's all these different methodologies for, for checking and verifying people and the, Whoever found this bug found that if you, um, it doesn't check the amount of parameters that are passed to the server as a request. So you could send one valid request that has data that the server would expect and it would validate the whole request. But any significant, any other data that was tacked on would be processed and the last parameter that was tacked onto the request would be the one that was actually processed. So you could say, you know, log in, verify that my name is blah, blah, blah. And that's signed and that's okay. And then the rest of the application request, you could say, but also change my name to DNZ or whatever. And then that would just go through and be used. That's the uh, <laughs> that's exactly the same bug that's currently in the email queue uh, on uh, on Wishbot right now. And just hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I so like. So in, in, in Wishbot, actually, it just reminded me of something I was playing with is, um, you know, there's the email queue function, which is basically like for anyone who doesn't know, there's just some URL parameters being added and you can uh, inject an extra URL parameter that is just has the same key. And like as the, iterate, as the keys are iterated through on the server side, obviously it's just um, like this is not a client side bug. It's an, on the server side. As the keys are being iterated through, if a key um, is already set, it'll just set it again. And that's basically what. what, what Interesting. 
I feel like we found more bugs from APIs and other services through Wish than we have in Wish. <laughs> There's been quite a few yeah. interesting ones. Um, but yeah, no, that's, it's definitely an interesting bug to try to, to play around with when you're doing any sort of API attacks or you can tack on extra data, you know, the validation of that data is entirely dependent on how it wants to process all your parameters. Usually it would throw out the other ones, but if there's multiple ones, it has to choose one. So you can send the same data twice and the last one usually will get executed. So kaboom. Um, but yeah, it's funny though, it's used to change your name and stuff. Like you used to change like your actual government ID, um, which is pretty heavy. Yeah, I think as well, like what's incredible is that these cards weren't write only. Like, sorry, it's the, sorry, read only, write only. That they weren't they weren't written just once. Like that, you could actually put data on these cards. Like, the idea of having an RFID card that um, you know somebody can, or even a mag strap uh, that someone can walk around with, is that you don't want you only want it to be written one time. I mean, the whole nature of the technology is a little flawed. But the fact that you can rewrite the card is, or write anything to the card at all, like, did, like was the intention of the German government to be like, oh, we better, we're going to have to, in the future, maybe tack something on to this data, whereas really the answer should be no. They can, everyone's just going to have an ID and maybe a checksum, and then that uh, data is then sent off to, you know, their... Uh, off to their server somewhere and it does some queries and joins and they do all their magic on their end so they don't have to issue new cards all the time so the option yeah. is like do we make the card read write or do we issue new cards and the answer is neither you fucking morons like devil's <laughs> advocate about that because actually there's a lot of common access cards um that pretty much like a lot of actually use that as part plug in your id card there's actually there's part the authentication process and actually verify who you are so that could be a possibility well yeah there's uh is the pin stored on the card no yeah hsm somewhere yeah 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 but read so, and write but, sometimes those credentials get changed over time yeah i guess well so with the um for example the my fair cards that we use here they're the despire threes i think which is the one step up they're one one above the ones that got totally fucking owned. Um, as far as I know, they're, they're not currently owned. But um, I've, I've looked at them a little bit just because it's interesting. But um, yeah, there's still like a four-way handshake that goes on um, with the keys moving back and forward. And then uh, that authenticates you, then just goes and queries how much cash you got on you. So, I mean, you could do that and then have, you know, the same way that you have like EMB type, uh, uh, what's it called, payment cards. There's still a pin, but the pin never read and writes, reads and writes. And if you ever need to get issued a new certificate, you have you go like you know you go to the ticket machine here and you punch a button that gives you a new card. The bank sends you a new card. If this is a government ID, there should be an expiration date on there as well, so they should know when it's going to expire. If you lose government ID, you should obviously have to go physically somewhere and prove who you are through means that you know fraudsters can still get around but it's a little bit harder and they're probably on camera getting that id you know hopefully <laughs> yeah yeah um all right the next one here is um i should have put into a dystopian section along with the china stuff as well um this one's about the cpap machine that 
people were finding was just uh, being like the usage data was being leveraged against them. So this is something that I always yeah. check no to. I, I hopefully everybody else does when it says send the data to the developers. Uh, I just don't. I'm sorry, guys. I, even if you are a developer who wants to know that data, because of shit like this. So basically, somebody had a CPAP machine which helps them with their sleep apnea, and they CPAP machines themselves, I guess, they're expensive and um, they are most likely rented rather than bought outright by people. But the rental thing is kind of a racket um, due to insurance, and it becomes actually cheaper to buy the machine outright than to rent it over time. But regardless, this person here had it was renting the CPAP machine, and the CPAP machine was sending the data of their usage to the um, insurance company, and the insurance company determined that the person wasn't using it as much as they should have, and they revoked access to it. Um, so instead of you know using whatever the you know, I don't even know what you have what you actually need if there's like some sort of, I don't even know. But regardless, there's. They weren't able to use their machine because the insurance company said you are not using it the way that we want you to which is like every day for this amount of hours therefore you lose the privilege to, to use it and mind you this is a medical device for people to treat a medical condition this isn't like i don't know like a flashlight or something this is literally like a an actual yeah. medical device and so this this like was taken away from this person and they had to fight with the insurance company about this and just like how how is this how is this legal to do to like literally you know, know. the intention of this deal. of the smart grid that's the entire intention is to be able to monitor and control and monetize every little micro thing we do yeah, but so these devices though like the, the phone home capabilities that i've seen in them previously not like, i haven't done a lot of research on this is just like from glancing is it that they usually have a sim card in them um there mm -hmm. was a company that um that uh, used to manage the SIM cards that went into CPAP that I knew about. But um, uh, yet, I guess, like, take the SIM card out. What what happens? Does it not work? Or can you... Or well, maybe you're in violation of some term of service thing that says you will not take it with the machine. No, you're in violation of terms of service that you, yep. you agree to to get the machine. Right. But I don't think, like... You, using it for the amount of hours or whatever you're supposed to use it for under your rental conditions. Like if you're renting it, aren't you, isn't that the conditions of having it? That you're paying the money? No. Well, the insurance company at this point will be paying the money and they're trying to actually save money by saying, no, we're not going to, we're going to stop paying for this because they're, they're the ones saying like, oh wait, you're not using this enough. Why are we paying? Yep. It's really fucked up and it's uh, apparently illegal. Yeah, I mean, I mean anything it, that can have a SIM card in it and collect telemetry on you and send it off to somebody at this point probably will soon have a SIM card in it doing exactly that. CPAP is like at the higher end of the medical device. Yeah. Is, I guess that if anything, like Fitbits, anything. I mean, imagine those. If, so if Fitbit starts reporting to your insurer that you haven't walked to the amount of, of miles per day that you're supposed to walk therefore your premiums are going up yeah i mean same with same with like any of those kind of health tracking apps any of those food tracking apps i as much as i'd love to use them because they're they'd be awesome to be able to get those analytics i don't want those analytics in anybody else's hands but me and it's just like now okay now i have to write my own fitbit firmware <laughs> like i'm not gonna do that <laughs>
So yeah, it's but it's tough because what's the difference between this and the fucking China good citizen story? Not Not much much difference, but much man. What's honestly very scary though is the insurance companies themselves that use this sort of thing. There's tons of different reports we've seen about um, insurance companies using all sorts of different weird telemetry to figure out about you because that's what insurance companies do they have an agent that audit and investigate people all day and the fact that we have social media now and they say oh yeah i know that you you post your picture of your lunch every single day we know what you're eating you know um like that kind of insurance company has a cell phone app oh let me know about that (laughs) there's also uh you said you that uh you'd like to use them but you don't use them um and you also mentioned you don't have an eye device the so with Pokemon Go, just to slightly, just, I'm coming back to it. With Pokemon Go, right. it actually tracks your steps through the uh, Apple's Health API now. So through the Health thing in the latest version of iOS, well, the last few versions of iOS, it's tracking your steps, which then that links to that Pokeball thingy, so that you can get like Pokemon's in the fucking Switch game. So like now people. You know, like if you want to participate in any of these other things, like all of a sudden your health is now being tracked by Apple. Congratulations. Very yeah. Then, who who do they? I mean, who do they share it with right now? Probably no one in the future. Probably every insurance company because it'll be a good deal for them. Like I don't know. Absolutely. Database people's health. Like. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all these people playing Pokemon Go on iOS are like, oh, we're catching these Pokemon's and like, welcome. Now you're uh, not allowed to get them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unless you've caught them all, you can't get on a flight till you've caught a Mewtwo, whatever. Without catching shiny Mewtwo's, you've walked far enough, right? You can have a CPAP. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking about all that stuff though, in terms of other actual um, things. Like, what about like dialysis and insulin pumps and things that are directly tied to your survival? Um, imagine what could be leveraged with that. And I know you people think like I would think that people wouldn't be that evil, but clearly that's not a challenge for most companies. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's really worrisome about the health of like future loved ones when you know there might be something like that and some weird insurance caveat that you didn't know because you didn't read the ten thousand pages of fine print um, that they included. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I don't know. This is a lot of this stuff is in the abstract is very strange. Like I've got a phone that refuses to work if I try to cover its camera and do stuff at the same time. It'll say remove hand from camera. Uh, I didn't agree to that. I don't know what the fuck it's trying to do, but I don't remember signing anything in a terms of service that said, uh, well, I have no idea what it's actually trying to do. Maybe it's face unlock. I don't know. Dude, <laughs> uh, that, that doesn't sound right. That sounds really yeah. creepy. Fucked up. Yeah, I think What's it's a default setting of a. What kind of phone is this? I'm not going to say it online because it causes problems when I do that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> major, major brand, and I'm not sure if it's like default or if it's something I've turned on. I don't think so. Just that basic pit unlock. Uh, I think it's tied to. I think it's I have no idea. What it's tied to. to some fucking. Trojan on your shit. <laughs> no, dude, it was doing it from day one. But well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> a Trojan into the, the factory, or? 
a Trojan yeah. from a third party. Like, what's oh, a Trojan if it's a feature of the OS? Is <laughs> not. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, well, my point is, my point is, is that uh, uh, who knows? With you know, if if you buy a, a smart device of some sort, and then later on someone discovers tens of thousands of these devices have had SIM cards in them, transmitting data off to who knows where for the last two years, and they're in everyone's homes. How is that any different from like a dodgy China phone that 10,000 people on Amazon have bought or on eBay? It's got a Trojan that does basically the same thing. I don't know, um, man. What's oh, the difference really between like a Trojan smartphone and a Trojan smart plug or a Trojan smart anything in your house? One keeps really you alive. And one is a nice to have. Like we assume, we assume that a, that a smartphone will be a dodgy smartphone that we buy from a, from a, even from a vendor, we'll have vendor bloatware stuff in it we don't want. But we don't really think about that when it comes to devices that don't have like a screen and a keyboard that we, that we interact with, but are still uh, it's medical, capable of... Medical equipment versus a smartphone, that's a pretty big leap. Have you, yeah, have if you you've got like a Bluetooth speaker in your house that talks over the internet, and it turns out that by opening the box, you agree to these terms of service that says they can collect ambient noise information and send it off to Turkey or something. Um, and that gets discovered years later. The advertising recently from Google is pushing TP-Link smart plugs. Literally, cool. like the Google advertising is saying, works great with TP-Link, buy them as a package. <laughs> which I thought was like super fucking weird. Like TP Link, that's I don't trust that company. Like that, what? Well, yeah. your social credit score is going to go down if you don't buy TP Link. You lost like four points, dude. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, speaking of planes, this one is interesting too. Airlines are facing a crackdown on the use of an exploitative algorithm that splits up families on flights. Um, so I never knew this, uh, but apparently there's algorithms that people that that uh airlines use that determine who sits where and have split up family members on flights i guess in order to make them pay more money for premium seating or something who knows I, this is weird i don't know right so messed up ryanair's garbage never fly ryanair right <laughs> i just google them <laughs> but the thing about being getting on a flight with allocated seats though i've like ask some people nicely hey excuse me would you mind swapping seats so i can sit with my family nine times out of ten they're going to be like oh yeah sure i don't give a shit where i give a shit where i sit sit you get a bunch of window seats and you say to a a random person like hey do you want to swap the middle of the road to go sit on a window they'll be like hell yeah i do all right cool (laughs) yeah no, I mean, it's interesting, though, that there's any or anything like that. Uh, one of the points the article makes, though, is that it, it makes it more difficult for evacuation because if you're away from your family member, like your kid, and you're trying to make sure that they're safe and okay and putting their mask or your, your mask on first and then theirs, if they're four, four, ah, four rows away next to somebody who's just, like, sleeping on them, you know, like, that's a huge thing. I often worry when uh, a stranger is sleeping on my child. <laughs> forget the plane that's weird well no no no, no. I, mean, I know what i mean like somebody's just like leaning up <laughs> yeah. and there's two people that are just being yeah but no, um no, no. I, I'm interesting that's, that's the thing I, I never knew that there was a uh 
an algorithm or any sort of uh, deterministic process like that that would, would make it so that it would split people up like that. That just seems really weird. <laughs> um, really, you know, at the end of the day, it really kind of sucks in a way being aware of just everything being evil. Like every little possible yeah. thing is evil, including <laughs> just buying tickets. Buying tickets, happy little tickets to go to Florida or whatever. And it's got this evil fucking horrible thing in it. It's just, ugh, it gets exhausting. But I mean, we got to go back. Here's what is, worst. why are they doing it? Or like, why would you put this algorithm in? Illuminati confirmed, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm glad that I got you, all of you, because, uh, now I'm not the one paranoid person. It's like all of us, so it's great. Thanks to yeah. all of our listeners too for being paranoid with us. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm like some Alex Jones shit right now. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the last one, uh, the sort of um, <laughs> this is a really funny story. Uh, Bank of America ATM in Texas is temporarily shut down after witnesses say it was giving out $100 bills. Yeah. Um, so apparently somebody accidentally put $100 bills in the place of the $10 bills. And people just well, to go check the PM and just got a bunch of money. No, that's that's not what happened at all. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this no, is a, this is a very typical ATM jackpotting uh, attack. And even without clicking the link, the first I heard about this yesterday, I'm like, that's diabolical for sure. And it was. Um, a lot of these ATMs, it's been demoed like at DefCon even in yeah. Vegas. Yeah, um, at the ATMs in the lobbies, you know, outside. Barnaby, um, you can get like some limited access to, to admin stuff on certain models of ATMs just through the touch screen. You don't have to open it up at all. Mostly it's just to view levels of trays and printer paper and stuff like that, basic mm -hmm. diagnostics. Um, but you yeah. can, in some situations, if they don't change a certain default admin panel code, you can change the dispenser trays from like the 50 to the 100 or the 20 to the 50, whatever. Yeah. So that uh, for every 20 that you take out of your account, you actually get dispensed the $50 note. And that's um, super <laughs> common. <laughs> it looks like Diebold and NCR have just put out a, uh, an alert saying, oops, yeah, sorry, we forgot. We uh, made that mistake again for the 100th time. Wow. There is a report a typo uh, button link here in this uh, link. So if you want to report a typo, um, you definitely can. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, that's um dispensing trick. Like, I mean, I don't know. If it's not. It's not even really a hack. But yeah, like yeah. the fact that there's like the bins with the money. Like most of the, most of the ones here don't even have hundred dollar bills in them. But um, so, yeah. the you just like you, you could easily swap the twenties and whatever get out. Like you know, twenty bucks and the fifty comes out. Like that's let's to actually access that panel. It's a case of RTFM. There's only like in Australia, at least the type of ATMs that it works on are basically in every pub and club everywhere. And it's the responsibility of whoever deploys it to yeah. change the four digit pin, which is in the manual. Like, I mean, I'm not saying anyone should go and do this. Don't go and steal money unless you want to be on camera and you well, don't post the code in our chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and generally it's up to the owner of the device to change this uh, in a lot of cases as well. Like, if you're right, a convenience yeah. store owner and you've just bought like a a used diebold thing, whatever, through a through a local vendor, um, 
they don't tell you this. Nobody tells you this. So you don't you don't even know that there's a there's a pin code that that so gives you limited have, access to your own machine unless you can read the manual and nobody ever reads the manual. So. We were gonna have a uh, ATM at an event where it could be hacked. Um, basically, so someone went to the effort of buying an ATM, a secondhand ATM. They went to the effort of uh, you know researching it and, and doing a bunch of stuff and sort of at the last minute they found there was a ROM that they couldn't wipe um or not easily wipe I guess uh that contained a secret that when you restored it to factory settings that secret would be restored to like the you know the, the boot config or whatever um and so we had to pull the whole thing because the secret key couldn't get removed so I mean there's a whole like ATMs are magical devices but not not that magic unfortunately <laughs> like there's a big magic unmarked button on the panel there, like the only one yeah. that doesn't have a number on it. Yep, and that's relevant in the manual. If you read it, if you Google the manual for an ATM, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel like a lot of ATMs get installed by people that aren't really technical or and especially security savvy. And like you were saying, particularly the smaller models, if they're neglected, you can set the face value of the bill. Instead of being 20, which it would normally be, you set it to 1. So then the machine's like, oh, you asked for 20, so let me spit you this many bills since each bill represents a 1. Um, yeah. Also, Jin, does that, have you played that level where you jackpot the ATM yet? In Exapunks? Exapunks. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's a level where you have to jackpot a bunch of ATMs simultaneously. Well, not simultaneously, but if you don't do it simultaneously, then you suck. But uh, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh pretty much it for the news. Uh, definitely check out the Goodreads. There's some interesting things in there. My favorite story was the Detroit officers that fight each other because uh, there's um some some of them that are going in as uh, drug dealers and undercover. Yeah, they're undercover drug dealers buying drugs from undercover drug um, buyers, uh, and they both fought each other and uh, while trying to arrest each other. So it's a good story. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, let's uh, get into the topic of the week. Before we do, Dakota is decoded that. Yeah, I'm here. What's up? Um, did you want to quickly talk about GoScript or not? What do you want to know? There's, Let's there's... just on our goods, good reads for this week. Did you want to give a quick rundown of that vault? I thought it was like just what, while you're here, it's uh, you looked at it a little bit. There's a lot of things that depend on uh, GhostScript. I think there was like 284 dependencies. If you do um, check your APT cache. Anyway, there's there was two main bugs for the 9.25 where you could reset the security flags, where you could basically right it's in the lock safety params where you can set it to fall and then it basically gives you write permission so i've been messing with it been able to do all kinds of neat stuff with it like command injection so you do a bypass which gets you past the lock safety parameters which allows you to write and basically upload like a command php do like a standard php command and then there's another one where you can get and set a device if a pd PDF 14 is the top device or whatnot. And that one's actually more nasty than the one I was messing with last week. They've since changed that in 9.26. And I haven't started messing with that yet. 
So it'll probably be this week sometime. So what was the deal with um, less? So less called like PDF to text or something, and less, then that triggered. Less depends or has an extended parameter to it, which is like less open and less pipe, and then less pipe is like a preprocessor, which can open all different kinds of commands. So you can basically type less and then a PDF file, and then it'll preprocess it to text. Well, you can do that with images and images as well and then it'll show you some kind of information and then that uses image magic and because image magic uses postscript you can do that ghost script injection there and then just by using less which goes to less pipe hits that uh, postscript and then you're able to do that say command injection like id which is that one that we've seen on twitter earlier this week yeah, nice. that's really bizarre. Well, who made the decision that a pager like less should start interpreting metadata from files and, and showing you that information like a property exactly of a file is rather this... than the raw file itself? Like, when was that decision made? <laughs> who the fuck? Like, what? I don't understand. Like, less and more have a very long history and they've got a very specific purpose and uh, like passing. But it passing files off to like external programs before you actually page through the information. Is... Do you guys remember the, uh, that uh, whole Stop. Unix philosophy thing? Do one thing and do it really well? They didn't do that. Yeah. Do that. So. <laughs> you, know, you, know who's, you know who said that, right? It's RMS. Oh, you mean and he wrote Emacs. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. So what else does Les do that we don't know about? Can it play MP3s? Can it download torrents? the fuck i hope so i bet it, i bet it could you could i bet you could like go less file dot torrent it starts like downloading it it's a bracket <laughs> link like, you know, puts yeah. it into R. yeah you kind of use well, the uh, urbs and then like our torrents not installed so like detect go script detect the operating system and run the package map <laughs> oh my oh uh, yeah yo so we should uh get into our uh talk of the week here um so that would be freaking. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, there's a lot of people in our in our chat tonight here. Um, so I have a lot of new faces here, um, people who've wanted to join. So hello. Um, but yeah, to everybody. Um, I guess I don't even know how to start this topic because it's really broad. So um, like Dan, how do you think we should uh, go about it? I think we should uh, we should tear shit up. What do you what do you think? Uh, should do we have uh, do we have a bridge that um No, I wouldn't have one set up. <laughs> um but if anybody I'm also talking on my phone to this, so but you are I don't have a landline. So yeah. Dan so. you said uh earlier just as I was dropping out that a lot of people maybe haven't played with um modems, right? Uh well, yeah, because of age, like haven't played with like dial-up modems. I mean, I don't think people have played with the phone system in general. I think, yeah, like over half of our audience probably has not even considered hacking a voicemail or hacking a PBX or anything like that. Yeah, I just mean like so a lot of older people will remember like Warcraft two maybe i guess or warcraft one um or even age of empires one like stuff like games like this like you used to have to go into the um 
into the thing and put in your friend's phone number and click file. But in the settings, you also had a couple of interesting things in there, like ATZ at the start and ATD, like what? And then, you know, like I remember seeing those kinds of things and being like, <laughs> what is this magic? Like what, what, it, where do these commands come from? And um, like with modems and stuff, like the, the basic modem command set for things like, like ATN, like ATNF, like ATATI and stuff like that. Um, they're still totally relevant to all these mobile modems that you have today. So like if you open up the serial connection to yeah. uh, 4G modem and you run ATD, you're going to dial a number. Like you run ATZ. So if, I, um, if, I open, like, if I open the dialer on this phone right now and um, I put in a code, and it's like engineer mode, I can open an AT console. I can type like AT cell info and it shows me the cell information. Yeah. I can... Yeah, um, and, uh... Yeah, like it's bizarre that we're all walking around basically with, with modems in our pockets that have the Hayes AT commands it and the AD, that's what they run on. Um, but it's just hidden and abstracted from the average person so far that they don't have to look at it anymore. Um, right, we, yeah. Like because the, we, the whole... in the 90s, we had to actually low-level interface with our modems to, to just dial up to the internet. You had to know basic stuff. Um, we yeah, have like an advantage now because we understand like, like you remember that comma is a pause and you, sometimes yes. you have to put like you'd have a modem you put like before you dial you put like five commas at the start to so wait for the modem to be ready right i, I mean, do remember still, that <laughs> yeah so like now if you say you want to interface with uh, a voicemail service and you have to like you have to wait and you know that um it's gonna speak and you know that one comma is X seconds. And so then you know that like the length of yeah. you're going to speak is like, you know, a five second phrase. Dial one and then you pause and then dial three, pause. So I don't right. have that. I don't, I haven't done that for menus. since I do a lot of uh, uh, calls with, uh, with, with dial up numbers, you know, like Zoom and, and uh, Citrix and uh, all the, you know, doing, doing business. Uh, I, I've learned that I just, I used, I used, I actually still use the commas now to pause. So I don't have to remember the uh, seven or eight or 12 digit pin or whatever they keep giving us to dial in. So still very relevant. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, but the phone network, I guess, is the whole other side. That That's like the consumer side. I remember like, you know, if, if you're in the nineties, you remember how much internet used to cost. Um, so dialing up to the internet was expensive and being on it, like every second you were on the internet, it was expensive. So you sort of tried to make use of how much, you know, what, if you had five hours on your account, you needed to spend every five hours that you were dialed in, like doing stuff right now. Um, and it was slow. So you needed to plan ahead because you only have five hours to do whatever you're going to do. Um, so there was the whole thing of, well, how do you get more time to do stuff? And I think that's where a lot of people sort of made their way into the phone network. Yeah. And there's not a lot of uh, incentive, like um, phone calls and, and text messages and stuff aren't that expensive anymore that so the, the people in, in first world countries that had spend all day trying to figure out a way to make a free phone call. Um, yeah, but that I had to do that multiple times in the nineties. It was pretty normal. Um, oh, man, not just brought up uh, a, a funny thing as well. Like, um, so plus 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 is interesting. So like ATH zero is hang up line zero, right? So that was the 
that's your standard hangup command for any like in the AT command set. Um, but plus 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 would be interpreted from the internet, like well, the internet face, the the uh, remote facing side of the modem. So if you prefix the command with plus 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 and sent it to a machine, um, that machine would then interpret the next uh, thing as an AT command in its command set. So you could send, like it was common in IC, like ICMP oh, packets, the send plus plus plus. ATH zero, and then you would, you know, you're telling people to disconnect, and the you could type it in IRC, and people's modems would just hang up. Yeah, terminal escape codes are still a very real thing. Still, you can still do a lot of damage. You can't make a modem dial. Well, maybe you can. Who knows? So one thing that was huge. One thing that was huge now, I guess, that's still huge now. Uh, then, sorry, that's still huge now, is like um, signaling protocols, specifically SS, um, which is an out-of-band signaling, uh, out-of-band signaling channel, which I guess when I say out-of-band is out of the voice um, channel. Uh, so previously to that, if like, I don't know, I guess if anyone's familiar with 2600 still, I hope people at least know why it's called 2600 was from when in-band signaling was the whole thing. And you would hear, you hear different beeps and boops on the line. And it turned out that, um, you know, the frequency of 2600 was, was relevant to, you know, getting calls for X, Y, and Z reasons. But, um, yeah, like if you hear the, like the beeps and boops, it makes a different noise when you press a different number, it's, because of the in-band signaling of like DTMF, like uh, tones, so right? audible so signaling number. of DTMF. Right, yeah. It's it's in the audible That's range. That's a better way to think of it. Yeah. Yeah. But with the with the introduction of, and I guess the same thing with the dial-up noise, the same thing with the fax machine noise and things like that. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that came around when digital uh, digital phone networks started happening was that um, connections between certain on certain links became compressed, which was, and then those a lot of some of those uh, audible signals all of a sudden became like uh, unable to be modulated, uh, de sorry, demodulated at the other end because of, of a lossy compression. So. What am I even? Yeah, I'm actually trying to queue up. Hmm. Honestly, what am I even talking about? Fucking telephones. <laughs> well, I was trying to queue up some sounds, and then I realized that all of my sound sources are now like fucking they're all over the place. But yeah, I was trying to get my my red box working, and I was not able to. I fried it completely, so I had a phone dialer when I was a kid, and um, I didn't use well. I didn't have a cell phone at the time, um, and they like I just, I don't know, have it with me. And I made it out of um, a tone dialer with a crystal, the uh, 6.5536 6 or whatever, I forget. Someone will know the exact frequency. Um, crystal that you need to put onto the um, the tone dialer, but I didn't have a soldering iron. So I just uh, taped it with scotch tape to the crystal that was already there. And it's still like that. Um, and it's uh, something happened. I don't know. I think I probably shorted it out uh, over the years. Um, but it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else had anything like that. Crystal box. 
that's still pretty stellar, yeah. dude. That's still pretty stellar. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think it's like, it's important to understand, like, um, the well, we've been talking about the AT command set on on IRC chat um, earlier today, and when you get to the low level of of anything that's involving a radio, like Bluetooth or Wi-Fi or anything that's theoretically a modem, you're going to come across this command set again and again and again. Um, so it's a good idea for people to familiarize themselves with it. And you've probably got multiple devices surrounding you right now that you can interface um, over serial or something and start poking around on the internals using AT command set. So just, yeah, just like along that topic as well, like there was there's a leftover from ISDN that's still relevant in uh like in in modems today as well, which is uh circuit switch dialing. Um where you could make a CSD call over ISDN, so you'd make a data call from like point A to point B. Um funnily enough, a bunch of older actually I don't know, I don't know about this. I haven't done it to anything current, but um, there was a, a time when you could dial 2G and 3G devices with, like, you dial the number for a CSD call, and it would just drop you to a shell on the modem. And you're like, well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, modems so are a lot like, of fun. Yeah, like, CSD is still out. Of, it's on the, technically, it's the internet. Like, I guess, like, it is on the, on the internet. You just don't interface with it over IP. So it goes over IP, but it's not, not like you don't access it directly through IP. So, so something, um, sorry to interrupt, but, uh, this is deviation. It will mentioned it and, and it's something I mentioned before the show as well, uh, which is project MF. Um, can we, do we have a line to dial that? Uh, I was trying to still one up, uh, I'm going to try to go to my computer but if anybody has a better way if they have skype and can route the calls i have a really janky way to do it and i don't have a lot of internet juice right now so i will try but we'll see yeah i'm in the same same position so anybody on the stream have a loop back so that they can they can reroute skype to the mic i'm working on it as a big no, so Native. sorry. I yeah, uh, I didn't have a phone. Wait, I do have a phone, but I didn't have a phone. I don't have a normal phone anymore. Like, I got a new phone, well, and I realized I don't have my uh my other weird setup that I used to have. So this is a weird thing that's happened to me before. When I've been on uh, Discord, if my wife calls me while I'm using Discord on my phone. Um, the people on it doesn't mute Discord on my phone for some reason. So if they, I would be willing to give out my VoIP phone number and see if we could bridge it through my Discord. I'm not sure it'll work, but it's like that's that's my offer to this. That's all I think I can offer. <laughs> I think I think what we're asking is if you can connect a basically connect a phone line to Discord to this channel. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I I can do it through maybe my phone. Like I said, it's people. Like I said, when I've been on Discord before on my phone, then people would call me, and then you could hear the person on Discord as if they were also on Discord. 
Okay, so would you be able to dial Project MF and bridge it? Let me try. Okay. All right. S cool. Send me the information through Discord. Yeah, sure. Using Discord desktop app, you might be able to show cats and input output devices uh, from like Skype to Discord. Maybe you can set up like a virtual device in like Alsa or Pulse or something. Yeah, it's really all comes down. That screws me up. <laughs> it's making me angry just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you, you had to set it up. No, I hate it so much. Jack D, all of it. It's all garbage. <laughs> Jack D. I actually want to, like, I really want to set up, like, write it in Python in the bot so you can dial the SIP number and it connects you to the voice channel. Like, that will be, because everything, like, I don't know if anyone's messed with Asterix or uh, what's it called now? Elastics? Trixbox, like you know, all those distros that wrap up Asterix as a PBX, um, they're all very fucky, basically. Like even if you go buy a Cisco ATA, and you're like, okay, now I'm gonna plug a bunch of phones into it. Like just the configuration for regional stuff, like the Australian dial tones, is like a fucking pain in the ass, right? I have to go to like you know, uh, Whirlpool, which is a mad autistic forum about um, people whinging about broadband, and uh, hold up one, one second, TNZ. Blind. Uh, put your put your thing on. Um... So did, did it somewhat work, or was it like just obnoxiously loud? No, it wasn't loud. It like it started bleeding through a little bit, but I think if you have the push to talk on, it would work better. Okay, let me let me try it again. Um, if not, I can just do it on speakerphone on my phone. Like I have it right here. Are you gonna control the you're gonna input tones into this through Discord to a phone? Make it push to talk, dude. That's it's on my phone. I'm trying to. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna keep muting. So okay, uh, here, let's do this. Welcome to Project MF, bringing phone freaking to the twenty first century. Welcome to Project MF. Last update Tuesday, July thirty first, two thousand twelve. To end this message and go directly to a trunk, press touchstone zero at any time. Go forward and backward through the message with star and pound. At the end of this message, you will hear MF tones, followed by ringing. You are now connected through a 2600 Hz controlled trunk. During the ringing or after it stops, sending a 2600 tone for a second or two. You guys can then send any tones you want at any time. DTMF or or beyond. Six hundred hertz for cheap sound of the wake acknowledgement, and the soft buzzing of filtered twenty six hundred indicates the system is ready to accept MF digits. Think of it as a phone freak style tone. You can now dial a number beginning with the key pulse tone, followed by the number, followed by the start tone. You have five seconds after the wink to begin dialing. 
Otherwise, the trunk times out with a recording and short reorder or fast busy tone. And you to try again. The 2600 should be played at a higher volume than the MF tones. The MF receiver is very sensitive. Be sure you are in a quiet environment when blue boxing and do not speak after the 2600 is played and before the call starts to go through, or the MF receiver will interpret the noise as tones and misstyle. If the switch cannot route the call, it will read back what it thinks it hears. Dialing difficulties are almost always a result of too loud MF tones or background noise during MF dialing. A complete and current listing of current blue boxable codes is at www.ckts.info. Go to the North American Member Directory listings page under Exchange 762 for a full description. Some numbers you can try are key pulse plus a number from 100 to 110 plus start. This will play unusual sounds from the standard asterisk library. Key pulse plus 111 up to 200 plus start will play interesting phone recordings from the phone trips website and other sources. You can control the recordings with touch tone zero to stop touch tone star to skip back, and touch tone pound to skip forward. Other test functions and features are also located in the range 100 to 200. Any of these internal codes can be prefixed with any area code and they will still work. Key pulse plus 121 plus start will ring the operator console. If no one answers, please leave a message on voicemail. 131 will dial 3411 directory assistance. 2111 will enter a contact message. Press star for a menu of options. Huh. 1111 will allow entering a 10 digit phone number and will read back the name associated with the number. 2602 will give a dial tone with access to the switching train. Dial 2602 repeatedly at the dial tone to stack additional SF trunks, ending with a PSTN number on your second line or cell phone to terminate the call. Hang up the originating phone while listening to the terminating phone to hear the links of the stack disconnect one by one. 777 accesses the telefree. 600 is the echo test to check the latency of the system. 199 flashes 2600 hertz on the trunk, so the operation of the 2600 hertz notch filter may be heard. One cheap of 2600 is heard when the tone is applied, and another when it is removed. The filtered 2600 may be heard between these cheaps as a soft buzzing when the filter is active. A new enhancement is the inclusion of authentic old tandem interceptor recordings from the phone trips tapes. To hit these, simply dial an unroutable number prefixed by one of the original area codes, those with zero or one as the second digit. K plus the area code plus start is the easiest way to get these. <laughs> Try 216 for an example. This is an ongoing addition, so if your favorite is not there yet, try back later. Eventually, right, I will add the old three-digit terminating toll center I hacked this poor guy's voicemail <laughs> like his private voicemail by recording within an NPA. Key pulse plus 011 plus country code 
plus the number plus start will access any number on CNET, the Telephone Collectors Network. When can you actually do this? What's that? When, when can you actually send tones? It takes a really long Finally, time. You got to listen to this whole really long message. But it's almost we'll over. I promise. <laughs> People are saying press zero. Calls to toll free numbers for casual testing, but it's okay to dial a regular number. Here with the key press. Calls brief to minimize my cost. You guys can press project. the same keys I can press. All calls are goodied. That is, they will drop back to the trunk after the call then disconnects, without disconnecting you. It is possible to whistle. Try adjusting 2600 volume into the phone higher if you have trouble with this, especially if a recording is playing or if the called party is talking. Detailed information on this project is available at www.projectmf.org. Uh, <laughs> a Windows-based blue box and instructions for building a simple hardware blue box are also available there. I sell the pre-programmed pick microcontroller and printed like circuit seven boards minute for the hardware blue box. Here <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Can I do it now? All right. Can I, I hear that all again if I press star from the beginning? You guys are good. Go. It's ringing. Would you guys dial? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> I'm getting a little nervous. <laughs> Look at sound though, it's nice. Yeah. Um, in case this is a thing that I can't bail out of, I'm going to try to in a minute. Um, somebody should call this number and have it queued up so that they can go through the seven minute intro so that they can, uh, we can have another one on tap in case we need it. There we go. All right. Actually so that it. reset it probably. But so let's try to... Sorry, your call did not go through. Will you hang up, please, and try again? This is a recording. That's great. All right, there we go. Hold on one second. Ready? Yep. The number you have dialed is not in service. Please That's check fun. the number again. Cool. All right, uh, hold on. Do it again. The numbers you have dialed, 1440, is not available. Was that anywhere close? 1440. No. Try it one more time. All right, so it gives us the two little plinks. And then, all right, let's try this again. 
just the KPs or whatever now. Alright, I'm going to try one more time for the same number. Come on, baby. Come on. What are you doing? from... Hold <laughs> on. You can mess with me. I'll I'll try and dial it here locally uh, on my tone dialer. You have to use a blue box tones though. Yeah, that's okay. I got that. Okay, cool. Let's get the trunk back. The number you have dialed is not in service. Please check the number and try again. Let's try to do one of their ones then, so that it was like what? Key press one one. Press one one. Just key press and then one one, I think. So. All right, let me. The number you have dialed, one pound, is not available. Oh, it's almost there. One pound it picked up as. Okay. All right, let's try this then. Anybody wants to try this? I just posted the numbers in, um, or some of the ones I was trying into the voiceless voice. So pick pick one, I guess. <laughs> None of the elevators, though, please. <laughs> hey, not Dan. Hey, Dan, are you available? Yeah. Nobody. Hey, does PLA still actually uh, have that uh, blue box and red box app? It's called tone deaf. Uh, it's called tone deaf. Just the DTMF. Know. Does it actually come with the uh, red box and also the uh, trunking? Yep. yep. So Will mentioned that uh, he wrote one earlier as well. <laughs> I 
So welcome to the magical world of freaking, where you just sit and wait for shit to happen. <laughs> wait, uh, so you, are you are you trying to dial out on those numbers, or what were you trying to dial on the uh, on this bridge? Oh, I was trying to dial out to a number. Oh, okay. Uh, let's let's try just even getting internally to a system, right? So let's try. 777, I think, was the Telefreak Bridge, right? So... Is it recognized? Seven, seven, star, is not available. Huh. Okay, let me try that again. In the first digit. Yeah, it will. It's not overmodulated, it seems. It seems like it's just, I don't know if it's actually able to dial out. Or it might have to I don't do something it, else before you can dial out. I don't think it does dial out, but I think it, uh, I think it works. I think it's just that it's um, a little finicky. Let me try this. This app blows. <laughs> oh, are you using just regular DTMF to dial out with that? No, yeah. blue box. Uh, but I actually am going to try regular DTMF. Let me, let me actually just try it directly on the phone. Okay. Um, I guess we're gonna bail on this uh, project. I'm. Uh, I don't know what's up with it. It's not working. None of it seems to work, man. Yeah. No. This is very strange. So cool. Yeah, no. It, we're also doing it in the most like hacky way possible of like routing from a phone to Discord, from Discord to a phone. Yeah. There's definitely some janks. I'm sending your call to 
phone did not go through. Will you hang up, please, and try again? This is a recording. So I don't think... It, it seems like some of the shit might be broken, actually. Because I'm typing it directly on the phone. And uh, 777 was supposed to be the Telefreak Bridge. Doesn't seem like it's working. So, yeah, let's try some other numbers. Um, but it, it, in general, I will say Project MF, uh, that phone number is uh, 630-485-2995. That's a cool, cool thing to call. Gives you a lot of phone history and uh, lets you play with some switches that are occasionally maybe not working all the time, but um, it gives you like some some really old school stuff to play with as well as some new school stuff to play with. And it's like a, it's a freaking mindset that they set up. Uh, but in the absence of that playful thing, let's do something else. Um, DNZ, he said that number. Can somebody else bridge uh, that phone, that on, by uh, your phone? I'd call the number first, but it's not it's not an IVR or anything, uh, but I want to explain what it is, because it actually is a huge source of lulls that um, anyone can do. You don't need to be a phone freak, but it's it's uh, hosted, obviously, a, a SIP line now, but that's the external number. All right. We'll talk on. about it in just a sec. on this computer. Hmm. Yeah, um, this is very reminiscent of everything that I ever played with before. You end up just dialing something really stupid. Is that the three four seven number? Uh, that shouldn't be the number that that should be the. Oh, never mind. Is that the two nine six number? I don't know. I was asking, is it? <laughs> that, that's not what's supposed to be. Okay, hold on. Let me uh, let me try and dial it. Let's show yet. Doing it on my other laptop was not good. <laughs> I was trying to do it in Discord in the browser because I didn't install it on this laptop, and it's not good. But yeah, that was the KKK hotline. It's uh, a lot of fun. 
Should I just talk about that number? Are we going to try and dial or what? It's trying to dial right now. What country? It's U.S. country? Yeah, it's a U.S. number. Plus okay. one. 347514. Why does that seem so familiar? Is this... Oh, it's an it's a service. It's an old service. It's about I think it's about ten years old. Uh... And it's still used today. And anyone who doesn't know about it is hopefully gonna get some lol. Alright. Um let me try something. Here we go. I think it might be going. Here we go. Hello. Seems like a blank number, DNZ. Ah, man. All right. So the number is actually Lenny, which is uh, a Reddit. There's a subreddit for Lenny, which is uh, slash r slash it's Lenny. And basically, it's for when you get a telemarketer call, you transfer. Like, you you go to the subreddit and you read the the information. It'll tell you how it works. And then it'll give you a bunch of examples of it in use. Um, It's a bot, right? It's like a Markov bot for... No, it's not actually a Markov bot. It's... Uh, a series of recordings that simply wait for the person to stop speaking and then it plays the next recording and basically it uh, there's an old man who is controlling the conversation and basically letting the telemarketer speak and then basically leading them on to say something roughly in the net and it works like amazingly well whoever came up with the script for it um, did a really good job so yeah so like telemarketers you get the call and you go hang on a second can i put you on hold and then you either make a um like a three-way call or whatever i forgot what the actual name for that is you either have a three-way with him or uh you just transfer him straight to lenny and then off it goes and and, and lenny will take care of your telemarketer for like you know somewhere between 15 minutes and an hour i think that the longest calls are like over an hour where he gets transferred around to about five different people and it's about you know a series of maybe five to seven different audio uh, clips so there's no like markov or anything it's just simply like leading the conversation with ridiculous yeah there's a lot of like <laughs> really funny old things that i've like actually dan and i were trying to, to test out a potential episode where we just before we even did the podcast where we just dialed up all the old numbers from all the old lists that we had from a long time ago there's quite a few that are still active interestingly enough because people have to pay for that to be connected to something you know yeah that's a sip number um but i mean sip is actually so like i guess most telephony today like actual phones is over digital networks through like pbx's that are have sip trunks or 
Yeah. There's another protocol that I forget what the name is um, for trunking as well. Um, like a, one that's used a lot. I just can't remember what it is. Um, but like the the like the PB. Oh man, where was they even going with that? Yeah. So maybe let's take it a step back since Project MF kind of fell through, unfortunately. Rip. <laughs> that was actually a really good. Uh, a good thing that we could have gotten lost in for a while, but freaking in general, like you got to think of it as just not using your computer for anything. So you get on your cell phone, you dial some numbers and you make some shit happen. Or if you find a payphone, you happen to find payphone, you call numbers like this, like, uh, this number right here. Calling an ANAC. Yep. That's not going to work. That's funny. They blocked it. Come on. It's MCI. <laughs> yeah, 800444. Yeah, that's what I'm calling. It's just ringing through as if that happens. Hey, I thought that was one eight seven seven. Hello. How are you? Jin. Yes, this is Brenda Ferguson calling from laserdildos.com regarding your recent <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I don't know what other ones we should try. Hold on, we got some good ones. Okay, cool. Okay, so anyways, the MCI one, the eight hundred four 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 four. This is what you can get from it. So from a payphone, if you're calling it, it easily gives you the phone number of the payphone. Payphone numbers are MCI. good to have. Our system indicates you are calling from 516-453-0142. If this is the number you are calling about, press 1. If not, please listen to the following two options. To enter the number you are calling about, press 2. If you do not have a telephone number currently in service and need to establish a new telephone number, I'm press 3. Grab that number in a minute. What is it again? Say it again, honey. Say Our it again. No, it hung up. <laughs> oh, well. Well, you get the idea. <laughs> so that, that's one of the number pools for this uh, VoIP company that I'm dialing out from. Um, let's call some other phone numbers now that we can call. 
one of my favorite things to always find, like, well, back up a second. Do you guys um, remember doing any scanning on like 800 numbers or any numbers in general? That was like one of my favorite things to do when I was really bored and a kid and had nothing else to do. Because 800 numbers from a payphone, you can call um, endlessly and you won't get charged. But if you go through like, a, a say, 800, 420, and then 0000 all the way, counting up those 10,000 numbers to 9999, um, you find some pretty interesting things. Um, oh my God, that takes forever. Have you ever done a hand scan for all four? Um, I haven't done a handstand for an entire exchange before, but I have done like thousands. Um, and I had actually a couple of lists that I used to contribute to that were for hand scans of 800. Yeah, I have pages and pages and pages and it took fucking, I did all four ones for this one place I want to name, but it took like a couple of weeks, dude. Yeah. Um, I used to do them like when I, cause I would never do it from my house. I would just always go to a payphone or something and. And doing like 800 numbers was just hilarious. But there's actually, I wonder if I can find the number for, there's a really interesting one that I found, probably the last number that I found from the last scan that I ever did. Um, it was from the highest uh, switch in the world. So there's the switch, um, I don't remember what the silly is. It's, it's, it's in uh, Alaska. It's the highest north telephone switch in the world. And it actually, the error messages in it are um, in this native language. Uh, it's not Nunavut. It's another uh, Alaskan um, Native American language. Um, and those are all the recordings are just only in that because the only people who use this switch are people who live in this very remote town who are all natives. Um, it's pretty cool though. I'm trying to find it. But yeah, I used to scan a lot of the stuff like that because now it's easier to look it up and, and see um, from like public records uh, where there's gaps and things because usually you'd find um, random test numbers like in like the 999 and then like the last uh, two digits or whatever um, like 51 digital like an identification or 9999 is also something um, and same thing with 000 if it's, there's numbers populated on the other end but I used to call those all the time and I would just try to go through every exchange that I could possibly think of I feel like it's like I don't know that's like the most I don't want to say autistic, but it's quite a it's quite a feat to try to just sit. It's a feat of patience to go through them and actually um, try to scan all those kinds of numbers. But those are my favorite things to do, though. It's finding those weird error messages that be parked at like a random number for really lazy switches where the the error messages would be at a specific number, and so instead of um, like your number would get redirected in a call to that circuit for whatever number it is, and it would say like please deposit 10 cents or, you know, ask your mother for assistance on dialing or whatever kind of message there you'd find. But um, yeah, I don't know. Those are my favorite things to do when I was a kid. It brings back a lot of memories. The number you dialed is not in service. Oh. Everything's <laughs> dead. Everything's dead. I can actually find my post about this. All right, I got a fun one. Sure. I got one that works for sure. You, <laughs> uh, I need you to dial something. Um, I can try. I um, I just closed my laptop because it was being really annoying. Um, <laughs> so let me. Uh, hold on. Unless anybody else can dial something real quick. 
take that as a no. Yeah. Believe me, I'm actually trying to figure this out and run it right. Like literally just <laughs> holding a cell phone uh on speakerphone near your computer. Yeah. Enough. No, I know. I'm just my laptop wasn't liking my speaker. Um but let me try this one. So let's do this. Let's somebody that's listening right now. You can dial you can uh, hide your caller ID or whatever and dial this number six three zero. Three five one nine five five two. Or I'm sorry. No no no. Six three zero three five one nine nine five two. Somebody call that. Repeat the number. Six three zero three five one nine nine five two. I was unable to connect because the number is considered busy. <laughs> hmm. So what was this number, Dan? The loop. Oh. <laughs> but interestingly. Somebody else on the other end already? I think somebody might uh, it might have gotten shut down. <laughs> Probably was shut down a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it, it worked fairly recently. That's the problem. Really? Oh, that's too bad. Now, do you want to explain what loops are to our audience here? Yeah. Uh sorry, I'm just I'm listening for it to hopefully somehow pick up, but it's not going to Fuck, it's over. Oh, well. So, loops. Uh, yeah, loops are numbers that uh, have two phone numbers. Like, uh, for instance, the number that I gave out, 630-351-9952, has another phone number, a complimentary phone number, that has another end to it. Uh, so, that, consider that point A, and then point B might be 630-351-9951. And if you call uh, either of those two phone numbers and have another person call the opposite phone number, it'll bridge you guys together just magically on a, on a bridge line. It's, it's a loop number. It's used by technicians in the field to test uh, their systems and do all sorts of telephone thingies that I have no idea what they're doing with it. All I know is that it's a fun thing to do as a phone freak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, definitely awesome stuff. So there's something else that just reminded me of as well. So do you guys have, I mean, we had a, 
okay, there's actually two phone systems I want to talk about. One of them um, was a callback number where you would um, hang up, and then after a set period of time, you could you would get a callback so that you knew the number could be dialed. And that was pretty good because you could use it in social engineering situa- situations and stuff like that. Like you would be guaranteed to get a call. Um, so, you know, you could be like, oh, I got to take this. And then like answer and it goes like, it says something like, yeah, you've called from blah, 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 blah. And then it hangs up on you and you're like, hey, yeah, man, how's it going? Like, I've got to walk over here now. Um, and that was really useful. Uh, another system here that was pretty interesting that somebody went through and wanted to find, uh, like there's a, a common prefix, is actually the train station announcement uh, boxes. So there's, I guess they're through some kind of PBX, but you can dial into the, each individual platform. And then basically like on the platform, there is a box that has a button. One calls the police and the other one tells you when the next train is coming. And um, yeah, somebody found out a long time ago that you could dial into those and actually speak out of onto the platform and make announcements. So that was a uh, that was a pretty interesting system that I think I guess it's still in place. Like I don't suppose you have any numbers for those by any chance, do you? Uh, sounds like a crime. No, I wouldn't have those. I don't think it's a crime to call a phone number, is it? <laughs> um, there was a spreadsheet of them like a long time ago, but honestly, I haven't seen it uh, or even thought about it uh, for so long. That's just a really, really weird thing. Um, there was another system as well that was actually abused um, for a while. And it's, I guess you guys would have something similar, but it was called uh, RET, Remote Exchange Test, or RETL is the, was the hacker term, Remote Exchange Test Line, I think. Anyway, the, the RET list was this thing that used to get circulated. And um, I actually met the guy, one of the guys, like I worked with one of the guys that... Uh, was one of the people who deployed it originally um, at one of the telcos. And basically what it was, was uh, this um, uh, device that was in like, uh, it was in as part of the PBX system in an exchange and you could dial into the exchange. And then there was an IVR that would let you punch in a pin to authenticate. And then you could select the carrier and then you could dial out of the exchange in order to test the numbers. So um, if, for people working at the telco, you would be able to, somebody would ring up and say, hey, I can't dial this number. So you dial into their local exchange, or you, get their, you have their number, you dial into their local exchange, you make the call um, either to the endpoint or to the, if that doesn't work, then you know to the exchange, you can diagnose um, where the problem is. And people figured out this was basically a phone proxy. Like if you think about it like a phone proxy, because you know, once you put the pin authenticate, you pretty much get a dial tone and away you go. Your caller ID is also now spoofed because you're calling out of the exchange. You're not calling from anywhere else. Um, I don't want to go into too much how it was abused, but it, it ended up in uh, the pins started getting changed uh, a lot, but yeah, like the the pins would get changed. And what was really funny is because when I was working in the telco, um, which was nowhere, like this is a, a separate time from when um, people were using this in Hackerland. But at the telco, the list and the pins and stuff were sort of handed, passed around like um, 
like candy like it, it was everywhere because everybody needed it to do their job but for people on the other side of the coin it was this like thing that people would um so it was kind of like just interesting to see the contrast i mean like i never had to trade it with anyone because like why would i need it i i worked with it so like it was kind of like i would see both sides and be like what that's pretty weird that all these people actually want this um <laughs> and i'm sure some some other people may have leaked it out but it was kind of like you know it was a, it was a weird perspective thing yeah uh, it's interesting to see because there's a lot of things that you don't realize that can be or how much they can actually be abused um I mean, one of the things that I always thought was funny, which you were talking about the announcements earlier. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody remembers um, the, I guess, the really important aspect of phone freaking uh, social engineering, um, where you call up a store and you find, uh, well, you go, to, you go to a store and you find whatever um, extension their announcements are on. And then you call up customer service during a really busy time and ask to get transferred to that extension. And then you just have control of the announcement system. Uh, I don't know if anybody yeah. remembers those funny things, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> like there, uh, those the same thing happens when I worked in a call center as well. It was a lot of times people would ring up, um, and you know I I had to do this myself sometimes when you wanted to speak to someone directly about something and you weren't so you just dial into the the shortest wait time which would be you know um sales or some crap you're like hey it's me from such and such department can you transfer me across to this extension and they'll be like oh yeah okay no problem you know we worked in the same office was no big deal they transfer you really quickly so in a social engineering situation if you know somebody is prepared to do that whether it's because they're answering 50 calls a day or whether it's because you know they trust the person on the other end of the line um yeah you know hey this is the extension transfer me here okay yeah uh i mean the same thing could also be used in certain situations when you found the access to the voicemail system and we just to be able to dial to extensions and if something didn't have an actual if something was configured where you could dial your own extension and then dial into that as well uh it's also a thing that's possible so yeah um a lot of that kind of stuff though was just a matter of trial and error and mapping out um you know where things go to and a lot of that stuff is still in place today as you're saying like for announcements same thing as you know random ips just you connect to it and for some reason you're just controlling a sign or something um it's the same sort of deal i feel but yeah um it's 11:40 though and we've definitely taken a lot of time here um Sorry to everybody for, for some of our uh, little like mess thing or mess ups here, um, but again, this, I said this was part one because this can be an ongoing feature um, as we get our shit together um, and also get more people on. So if you have stories about um, phone hacking or you have any cool projects or anything, um, you're more than welcome to come and share because it's always a lot of fun. Um, we'll eventually get a bridge. I don't know. Someone will. Now that we've done this, we'll write a bot. <laughs> to uh, have something in Discord to just uh, connect to a SIP line that we can dial up from. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll, now, uh, like, eventually, it. eventually, I'm going to get annoyed enough and actually write it. I've been talking about it for probably six months, so <laughs> eventually yeah. I'll get pissed off enough. And <laughs> so, if, if, I, yeah. if, if somebody else does it first, I'll, I'll just 
on the Discord or some shit. So boost the uh, 12 pasted number and um, we can definitely try that. But uh, I was going to just uh, real quick or their TNI. If you want to call that for a few. That's people's uh, Liberation Army. Yes, the People's Liberation Army. No, the phone. phone network interface. To hack some answering machines, press one. To be connected to the request line or the payphone during a live show, press two. For dial a prayer, press three. For the conference room that nobody ever uses, press four. For the voice BBS, press five. For the clown set voice BBS, press six. If you think this line is boring and you need someplace better to call, press eight. Fuck you. <laughs> to learn more about the system and who runs it, press nine. If you're Sorry, before we call end. on military phone network, press A to hear the current DEFCON level. Press B to be connected to the White House Situation Room. Press C to check the status of the toilet paper in the Kremlin. And press D to launch a nuclear missile. What do you think? Make D? your selection now. Or hit pound to repeat the options. Let's do D. Nukes. Toilet paper level. Oh, We have not received a valid response. Fuck you. Please yes, you try have. again. Uh, Dan, can you dial that number that I pasted in voiceless voice to, uh, to send it? Yo, fuck you and your bone spurs. We have not received a valid response. Please try uh, again. Which one, buddy? Oh, yeah, okay. Let me dial it. We have not we, we, we have not received a valid response. That's Please horseshit. wait while we connect your call. You've reached the PLA telephone network interface. To hack some answering machines, press one. To be connected to the request line or the payphone during a live show, press two. For dial a prayer, press three. For the conference room, take a voicemail, there right? are currently eight answering machines developer. in Hack. I'm not going to explain each machine right now. I will do that later. I will update this menu to tell you what the brands are and everything. But for now, just make your selection. One through eight. Eight different machines. If you're looking at the picture... Hitting one. <laughs> it hung up on me. <laughs> oh, darn. So that's uh, that's a really cool line. That's uh, the Phone Losers of America. Um, phone number is 914-296-1862. Again, 914-296-1862. We'll put it in the show notes and put it in the Twitch chat. Uh, but that's something that you can actually call. There's a whole... He has eight... Uh, random voicemail and uh voice message machines hooked up that you can brute force hack like it's literally a thing that you can do and uh that one works like <laughs> other than project mf 
that one actually works and project mf usually works as well uh so take your take some time to do it um call these up and uh they're pretty they're pretty fun to waste some time on and then uh certainly do not ever actually just try and brute force people's phone uh voicemail passwords because that's illegal i'm calling dnz's number right now <laughs> all right this is actually my phone number there are no shows scheduled within the next 24 hours thank you for using blog talk radio goodbye well that was anticlimactic right? are you serious that is the gangster party hotline <laughs> <laughs> so we've had a run of really bad luck on this episode however Dude, I can't believe my loop's dead. That's so fucking sad. But so <laughs> the, the, the gangster party the hotline is dead, bro. I know. Oh, we're like, yeah, oh my we, God. we had so much cool stuff planned for this episode that uh, it's blowing my mind that it, it went this terribly. However, we're gonna have a part two because we're not giving up. Um PLA is definitely the the way to go for right now. Their stuff is still up, and you guys can have some yeah. calling it. Um, so I highly recommend calling the PLA's TNI and uh, messing with their, his stuff. Uh, launching a nuke, I've definitely done it before. It didn't seem to work tonight, but maybe I just uh, am okay. having bad luck. Try this, well, there's one more number for the Gangster Party Hotline. Try that one. Come on. That I called the Gangster Party Hotline. That's what I called, there's, dude. There's another number. I don't know. The one I got must be. Wait. Well, did you give me a different one? There. All right, let me try. God damn it! I'm getting so frustrated. <laughs> this is like freaking frustration. It's it's real. Yeah. So if you want to know what it feels like to uh, war dial and war scan a uh, a prefix, this is it. It's fucking frustrating and boring sometimes. But then, then but sometimes. Exactly. You get admin access to yeah. the, the the porn line, and then, or you get like a, or you find an elevator or a, like a PBX that yeah. allows to assign different phone numbers to people's phones. Yeah. All right. Or you find a really cool. Um... What's up, nigga? Where you from? I'll beat your fucking ass, nigga. But if you want that real shit. Watch my nigga Brent Weinbach's stand-up comedy special appealing to the mainstream. Available on iTunes, Amazon, and other streaming outlets. Check out more videos at youtube.com slash Brent Weinbach. Adam Sherry on Twitter at Adam Sherry. Is this? And if you just want to talk some shit, leave a motherfucking message, bitch. Yeah, it's so uh, uh, I guess we'll leave a message. Yes. Hey, they're good for talking shit. Peace. Later. All right. Well, that was a a confusing message for them that we left. It'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. You guys want to keep going? Right. Well, we wrap up. Uh, no, we should probably get off. We should go get off. But yo, let's do this again soon. Um, we definitely we've been talking about it. We want to try to do some more episodes where it's kind of just our core group of people uh, doing 
doing stuff uh, because as much as we love having guests, we also have a lot of people on, on here who are very knowledgeable and should speak and talk and share experiences. So thanks everybody for listening in. Um, if you are interested in doing a freaking episode part two and where we'll actually have stuff set up and we'll test these uh, 20 year old numbers that we're trying to call um, <laughs> before we actually call them on the air. Um, the, we'll do that so yeah if anybody has anything um dm us we're at thugcrowd on twitter um our show notes are somewhere um we'll post them again where we'll probably just paste some extra shit into there um hit us up wherever you want to and we'll be back next week uh we got um who is it dual core and yt cracker next week i believe oh yeah nice. core episode. Fun. Yeah, it's gonna be fun thanks everybody for listening and we will see you all soon Peace. Shut the fuck up and get a landline. <laughs> <laughs>